everyone, and welcome back to Craft and Draft. I am one of your hosts, Jacob Chastain. Pam Cho is not with me in this intro because we are releasing about 30 minutes of our over two hour training that we did with our Patreon listeners and supporters. And what you need to know is that if you enjoy this episode, if you're like, I want more, I want the rest, I want the Q&A that comes with this, I need more strategies, this is awesome, I want to be a part of this, I want to be at one of these when it is live, here's what I'm going to tell you, okay? You can do so. One, you can get access to this. We have the link in this post, but also at the Craft and Draft Workshop website where you can jump in and purchase this $25 for the video in the full episode, or you can do that same price and join us over there at Patreon at our listener plus episode and get access to over nine bonus episodes, including stuff about state testing, how we use quick rise discussions about stress, going in deep on the craft and draft journal system and get access to our training videos, which includes this one that you're about to hear, which was over two hours with Q&A at the end with our wonderful, wonderful Patreon supporters and training videos about our craft and draft journal system and data and workshop and so much more. We are about to hit our goal of having 20 Once we do that, we're going to start doing regular live Zoom hangouts with you guys, which I think would be wonderful. Probably not recorded. We haven't really decided. I think we're going to let that be a group decision, but we want to do a monthly hangout already. If you sign up, you get bonus episodes and bonus training, whether you're at the listener or listener plus tier and a bunch of other perks. You get a tote bag, you get craft and draft stickers and so much more so go join us over there at patreon especially if you like this subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss anything we'll be back to our regular scheduled programming next week but join us on patreon come talk let's create an awesome little community for everyone thank you for listening and enjoy Uh, We are talking about strategies to increase engagement. This is something we love. We always throw this out there. We know you guys know who we are, but just a little. This is honestly, this screen right here is really a, uh, it's kind of an inside joke between Ochoa and I simply because we, when we were starting presenting with each other, I used to tell her, I'm like, Ochoa, you got to, you got to put yourself out a little bit, show them how to get to you, how to link. And she was like, okay. And at first she made a joke and she would just put her name. And I'm like, Ochoa, you have far more credentials than this. And then you, you've started doing it in your own presentations. Is that right, Ochoa? Yeah, because you make me. <laughs> you got to do it. There's probably more. I know. I'm you know, for, for you guys who present in your own districts, you know, put, put your stuff out there. It's good. You know, some yeah. people might vibe it, but it's always good. You never know who's watching 
who's going to stay in there. But one of the things I wanted to tell you guys is as we're going, you know how we love answering questions and being a part of the community. The, the, the best part about Craft and Draft is the fact that it's so personal with you all um, who are with us today or whether you're in the live right now or people who are watching this later. Um, you know, as we speak, though, ask questions or jot them down and wait for the Q&A. And one thing I wanted to say about the Q&A, you don't have to just ask questions about what we say here. If it sparks an idea that you had, or if you just had a burning question that you wanted to ask us directly, we can totally let that open for the Q and a, so we can, doesn't have to be strictly, uh, in regards to this aspect. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, and I thought I would start with this wonderful thing and Miss Ochoa has the best reading voice. So I'm actually going to let her, uh, oh read this but this is from nancy atwell's in the middle one of the the great bibles of workshop in in my opinion something i reference always but Ochoa, would you read this for us well just to begin with i think this is the one this is what got through on your desk and said don't talk to me until you read this one well that may or may not be true <laughs> all right i paved the way i continue to pave it through writing and reading about writing, through uncovering and questioning my assumptions, through observing my kids and myself in action and trying to make sense of my observations. And you moved it. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, through dumb mistakes and certain experiments and underneath it all, I desire to do my best by students and a willingness to acknowledge that my definition of best will be, should be, ever-changing. Nancy and Atwell. And I think this is such a, I mean, it's just a powerful takeaway because mm -hmm. this is, I mean, this is the heart of really, I think what we do, Ochoa, but <clears throat> in truth, I think this is what we should all aim for. I know we, we get nervous and we want to do our absolute best and we, we get frustrated with the, the demands of what modern teaching is, um, especially in this day and age and the paperwork and the to do's and a meeting where someone just adds one more thing to your plate. But at the, at the basic core of what we do is really jumping in and kind of seeing what works. You know, I know there's a lot of rhetoric around, um, things that are, are deemed to be the way to do things. Um, but as we talked about on our last episode of the podcast, Ocho show that just came out Friday was, you know, the, the research isn't as conclusive as, um, marketers and people with agendas might have us think. And so we're not really in the business of trying to sell something very specific. We're in the business of being educators who want to share some of the exciting things that we've discovered and work with other people to go forward. So with that in mind, let's talk about engagement. We learn to engage by wanting to be engaged ourselves. Penny Kittle, and one of the many times that I've seen her present, she talks about how she didn't realize the types of writing assignments that she was giving and how bad they were until she started doing them. And I feel like this is something that you and I have come across mm -hmm. several times. I mean, when it, when it comes to your own engagement. How do you gauge that, Ocho, before we jump into some of these strategies? What is it that you truly like when you're when you're kind of assessing, is this engaging or not? How, what lens do you look that through? Do you look at how much enjoyment that you're having? Well, I think a lot of times I do. I mean, especially if I'm doing something for the kids. But now if I want to be engaged, it's something that that's going to make me think something that I enjoy something that I have my own choice about, which, you know, I'm all about choice, which we'll talk about later. But the whole thing is, is I want to be, I want to own what I'm engaged in. 
I want to have all access to it and whatever I need to do. And so I think it's the same way for our students. I think I think they're engaged when they have a reason to be engaged. And I think uh, our job is to try to figure out what that might be. And I think that's why knowing your students and all of that is so important and knowing what they like, having conversations with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Um, now let's talk about time, Miss Ochoa. Take it away. Well, time is something I used to, when I, when I was a, an academic coach, I think we had a lot of times I'd have teachers, I'd say, let's try this. And they go, they do this to me. What about time? I don't have time. But the one thing that I think we need to really uh, have time to do is read and write. And so I was reading this article by Jenner, Jenny Arbell, uh, uh, I don't know how to say her name all of a sudden. Aberly, March 7, 2019. And, you know, what what caught my attention is she said, as teachers, we show our students what we value by how we spend our class time. And I, when I first uh, talked with with Jacob uh, years ago, I think when we first, when we were training, I think that's one of the things that you had repeated back to me is whatever you think is most important is what you need to do on that first day. And what was important to me was for my students to read and write. So I always figure out no matter what, that they're going to read and write. They usually, I usually have them write first, but, but when I have them write, I figure out a way for them to, to uh, do something that is, they have some ownership over. It's not, what did you do on Christmas vacation? It's not something that I, it's I just don't do a canned um, prompt like that. It's more of a open-ended response. Um, You know, what, how are you feeling today? Write about whatever happened, whatever you want to. So it's always student choice at the beginning, but it's kind of funny because like we have a new student. I got a new student this, uh, this time around. She's been, I think I'm her third English teacher because of issues, but she's a really smart kid. She's in my honors class. But anyway, she was writing and uh, I'm walking around. And and so what I tell them to do is write. And I know we have reading up there first, but writing, I guess, is on my brain right now. So but uh, writing is um, so, so so I'm walking around and my students that have me regularly, they already know that they write until I say stop. I don't I just say when I say stop. So she stops and she starts working on something else. And I come over there to her and I'm like, she's only written like two sentences. And um, and I mean, she is brand new. And and I said, um, well, actually, uh, we write until I say stop. And she goes, well, when are you going to do that? <laughs> so I said, well, when when we're ready. And what she didn't understand is when I was happy with how much she's written. But uh, but anyway, so she goes, OK. And the next thing you know, she didn't want to stop because she finally got into it. She didn't want to stop when I said stop. So it was kind of funny. So time is something that uh, is important in class. But I think the most important thing that I do is always figure out a way to have them read and write. And so I I found these um, as I was reading, I was thinking about these quotes for reading. It's only when they they have discovered a great book that's relevant to them uh, that they'll want to read outside of class. This, uh, and I think, you know, from maybe if you were listening to one of our podcasts just recently, uh, one of, and maybe it was just the other one, I can't remember which one it was, but it's been brought to our attention that uh, we're reading too much in class. And somebody, we have uh, some people who are now in charge of us are actually math people, to be honest, that's their background. And so they're like not understanding why uh, we're reading so much. And so this has been on my brain. And so I was real happy to find this. Uh, And then they were like, well, no, you need 
need to just assign the reading outside of class. They need to be reading outside class. And I'm thinking, well, they're not going to, there's no, they don't have books. How can they figure out what they want to read if they don't have access to that? And so, um, so I really do think this is true. And I've been doing this, I, you know, when I started doing the reading and when I realized how important to me it was, that was in 1992, 93 is when I started doing reading time and writing time uh, intentionally. And I think it's probably the one thing that's transformed my classroom more than anything else. And the students enjoy coming to the classroom. And that's because of this time. It, it does give them a moment to do whatever it is they need because reading and writing is, is cathartic. I say spend about 10 to 15 minutes on that time. Go back to that slide if you don't mind. Because I wanted to show them this other thing. Uh, and uh, but anyway, uh, so I'd say 10 to 15 minutes. If not, if you have like uh, just a one hour class or something like that, at least try to spend one time that week more than 30 minutes. That's what I typically do. If you'll click on this, y'all are y'all familiar with the ILA Children's uh, Right to Read? You might be. I just wanted to look at this uh, because. Again, I'm on now a soapbox, a soapbox about, wait, my kids have to be able to read. And I'm kind of putting my foot down. And finding this or remembering this is really helpful. But children have the basic human right to read. Okay, they have right to access text and print. Well, they can't do that at their homes when there's not any there. Now, I, we don't, I don't work in an affluent area. So I guarantee you there may be books at home, but it's not like what I have in my house. Um, children have the right to choose what they read. Now, that one uh, we'll address later, but uh, that's a big deal, too. Uh, they have the right to read texts that mirror their experiences, provide windows into their lives, open doors. Uh, children have the right to read for pleasure. And that's probably the hang up that people have is if they're reading, they're enjoying it. And so it must not be OK in the classroom because it's got to be rigorous. Right. And if they're enjoying it, it can't be rigorous. So I kind of wonder if that's where the argument is. Uh, children have the right to be in a supportive reading environment. And I think that's something that's very important. And then right here, number seven, children have the right to extended time set aside for reading. And that is the basis. And, and I want to say, let's just add that to writing. Everything that it says here for reading, I think we can do for writing. Uh, children have the right to share uh, uh, what they learn. And I think we have to have those opportunities in class. Children have the right to read as a springboard of other forms of communication. And children have the right to benefit uh, from the resources. Mm -hmm. That's a political thing. But the other, but everything else is really something that I, but, but when I found that children have the time to read, I thought, okay, we can't, we can't argue that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure I shared that with y'all because I think that kind of gives us a way when we're taught, when we're wanting to advocate for time in our classroom, we're not really wasting time when we're allowing these students to read. We're allowing them to do uh, what we want to. I was talking to my sister the other day and I said, she's a reader. I mean, she, she can outread me. And I mean, she is just great. And I said, so what do you read? So I was talking to her about this thing. And she said, I said, do you read little, uh, uh, small stories all the time, or do you read a novel, you know, and those kinds of things. So we were talking about that, but a real reader who reads outside of school and in their lifetime, they read books, they read, they have choice. So we're just trying to imitate what they're going to be like when they get older. So um, I think we already did. Our, is this a duplicate? And I accidentally put it in there. It's probably a duplicate. It's possible. So, 
Yeah, I probably forgot to do that. It's okay. Uh, choice, uh, Donalyn Miller. And of course, I don't think anybody has spoken to Donalyn Miller more here than Jacob Chastain. But I think the, she's the one who wrote the book, Whisper. And one of the things that she has really, um, I think, promoted is that access to books is is really what these kids have. But I want to think I want to talk about choice and a choice as as a way of engaging students because our brain loves novelty, our brain loves to be in charge. Our our brain wants to have ownership. And um and if we don't give our students access to, or opportunities for those those things, they're not going to be engaged. So I have a huge library in my classroom. I haven't always had one. So when I don't have one, I make sure that I go to the library and, and we look at books. I talk about books. Um, I let them tell me about books. I've had them share books with me. Uh, we do things like that, but, um, they, because I, they see me reading and because I value reading in the classroom, my students know that they have to have a book. As a matter of fact, on Monday, even though I have a huge library in my classroom, we are going and we're spending time in the library uh, on Monday. So uh, I've always scheduled time uh, for that. And the students look forward to it. They really do. And as a matter of fact, the other day I had, as I went and got a set of novels of The Giver, and uh, my on-level kids were coming in going, is that our next book? Are we going to get to read that book too? So they're starting to get excited uh, about reading. And so it might not start out that way. And I think what happens is uh, we let them choose and they choose things we don't really want them to be reading. And so what we'll do is we'll, we'll uh, give up the ghost too fast. You know what I mean? We'll just, we'll just, oh, this isn't working. And then we'll just do our own thing and take over. And I think the hardest thing about choice is not taking over because we got to trust that, that, that choice. And, and one of the comments that was made by, uh, to me the other day with a non-believer, if you will, uh, they were like, yeah, but when they choose, they choose things that are too low. They just, just refer to them as a non-believer. <laughs> well, I don't know what else to say. I don't want to say anything bad. Uh, they're nice people. That's uh, but, but, um, but this is a thing that's happening because, see, Jacob has now left. He used to be our leader. And so now we're <laughs> and and uh, we're still, you know, we, we had all these changes and I stayed and it's great. And I'm enjoying where I'm at. I really do enjoy it. But it's just, you know, when you have new changes, people have their own philosophies and I'm stuck in mine. And so uh, and, I, and I think I think uh, it works. But let's talk about writing for a second. A lot of a lot of times, I know you want to go to yours so bad, but can you go back? Sorry. Right. Uh, I, I, didn't, anyway, I didn't mean to jump, I swear. I know you didn't. I know you didn't. But uh, it says we must give our students uh, to access all types. I, I didn't write that very well. Access all types of writing opportunities and their own topic selection. And, and it's this idea of access. A lot of times what we'll do, and, and I wrote this down at the bottom, it needs to be a true choice. We often limit our students to the, a list of our own choices. And I don't know if you do that, but like uh, with a group of, of teachers, you'll get around and it's like, okay, it's our research unit, for example. And they'll say, okay, well, we're all going to do the 60s. And we limit them. and But they can't write about this, this, and this. They can only write about these things that happened in the 60s. Uh, or we're only going to write about, um, 
you know, these set of books and we're only going to write about. And so it's, it's always, we, we limit them. We give them, and then we go, well, I'm giving them choice. Well, no, you're giving them your choices. And so when you're really wanting to engage a student, it needs to be there. You got to figure out a way to, to make it their own choices. And I do this a lot with listing. And I think y'all have heard me over and over talk about the fact that I do a lot of listing just the other day, we're creating a character. I'm going to have my students that they want to, they're going to write a play because we're doing drama. And uh, so I want them to experience at least a little bit of writing this play kind of like what uh, Linda Reef said to you, Jacob, uh, in one of those things that she wants them to give a good, honest effort. Then after that, they can move on to other things, but a good, honest effort. And so that's where I'm at. So how do you go about getting the students to do that? I want you to write a play. I mean, that's daunting. So they, so, so what I did uh, just the other day, uh, well, actually Monday uh, is I said, list just names, make them up. I don't care. You can put moon, moon and beam together and come up with moon beam. I don't care. Just list as many names as you can fill your page. Okay. Then I, the next thing that they had to list, I had to like do a three column chart. Uh, then they had to list possible attributes and they were like, what are attributes? So I got to teach vocabulary with that list. And then I, then they had to list attributes. And so the attributes were things like, I said, well, you know, your hair color, your eyes. So you don't have to write like blue eyes, just write eyes, you know, just list all the things and then also beliefs in the way people act and things that they do. And so just list the way they, they walk and just list anything that you can think of that could be an attribute for someone. So they did that. And then I said, okay, now let's list scenarios. So in that third column was scenarios. And so then there's another vocabulary word. They didn't know what scenario was, but scenario has the word scene in it. And so I said, we're studying in poet, uh, uh, drama. Drama has scenes in it. So it'll go with that. So that's kind of where I was going with that. And so I said, you know, um, go, uh, joining uh, school, you know, moving and having to start a new school in the middle of the year. That's a scenario. A uh, scenario could be uh, something happened in your family and it's sad. You know, it doesn't matter. And so I just I just gave them a list of, of a few things. But then I said, you come up with your own scenario. So I had this boy come up to me and he goes, Miss Ochoa, we went... We for this week, uh, this uh, holiday, we went mountain climbing and I almost died. And I said, oh, my gosh, how did you almost die? And he goes, well, I slipped. And I mean, if I did not grab if my dad had not grabbed a hold of me, I don't think I would be here today. Would that be a scenario? And I said, that is a scenario. Write that down, you know. And so his whole play now is all about this character that he's created, not himself, but he's using his own life in it. And so that's kind of what I mean by choices. They're getting to choose. But I kind of put some parameters around it by the types of list. So anyway, but I think those are still true choices. It's not my a limited of you can only use these scenarios. And that's where I'm going with that. Beautiful. And of beautiful. course, I need to. Yeah. And they need to have time to flesh it out. And the kids are all excited. So we're going to be writing this play this all next because I've now taught them what plays are. You know, I did all that before I even talked about plays. And then the next day I gave them a we we shared a play and then I, a little small one. And then I uh, talked to them about the elements of, of what is in a drama. And then I said, now let's write some lines for our character. So now they've written lines. They've written some stage directions for their scenario that they've chosen. Anyway, so I think it's going to be uh, well, but that's how I get them to do big things is I break it down, but give them choice. Okay, now I'm ready. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> Wonderful. All righty. So kind of jump into uh, a strategy that 
I wish, honestly, I should talk about more because I think it's super effective, mm-hmm. but using student writing in the mini lesson. Now, uh, if you're really young, I, I mean, I don't I, I, I see this working all, at all times. My wife is a first grade teacher and she's done this. So um, you just alter kind of basically what what you want to do depending on that but this is another nancy atwell quote i was really i was really diving into nancy atwell as we were planning this over the course of a, the last few weeks but um you know she talks about how the national institute of education research tells us that children learn to write by exercising their options available to real world authors but here's my point is that real world authors in a writing workshop are the kids they learn options gather ideas and build build off one another when you are running a workshop that is really all around readers and writers and what they really do you end up with people in your classroom who are doing what is already needed right Kids don't always need to see the cream of the crop. And I think that's where kind of the traditional idea has of education has, I guess, stunted some of these things. It happens a lot in high school um, and middle school. Um, But truthfully, writers and readers just need people that they can really bounce off of. Someone showing them something different, something just a little bit bigger tier. You know, when teachers are like, well, I, I'm not a good writer. I don't know if I can teach writing. Yeah, you might not be, you know, the greatest novelist of all time, but you're a better writer than the students in your classroom. You're a more experienced writer. You're a more experienced reader. And that's what we need to really move kids. I think we really get nervous about this, but I want to push the idea to the kids and go, okay, so who in here is doing something that we can learn from? And I have found that this really does increase engagement, both on the reading and writing side, because, um, what I'm going to say here in writing really does connect to the reading side as well. And I'll talk about that in a second. But when we use student writing as the mini lesson, we show students that their writing matters. Donald Graves uh, and Don Murray both talked about or Donald Graves shares the story that when he was learning from Don Murray, I hate that they have the same first name. What are the odds of that, Ochoa? But they <laughs> well, they all know each other. Too. I know they're all connected. Um but Don, so Donald Graves said he was when he watched Donald Murray, that was the first time he had ever seen someone really write in front of him. And it was like this revelation of, oh, like he's just doing it right there rather than just always pulling out another piece or something. Um, and so when we take kids writing and we read it out loud, right, that's that's something that is a fairly common practice. It honors the work that the kid is doing. It really makes them feel like their work matters. But if you put their writing in a mini lesson, now not only are you saying, hey, your work matters, but look at this. We're going to study your piece of writing the same way we would study a piece of writing from these larger than life authors and just talk about what happens there, right? We remove the idea of real writing versus school writing. You know, one of my passions is de-schoolifying school in a lot of ways. And I know we can't do it all the time. I know we have limitations. I know there's a bunch of things that we just can't get around. But having that perspective on getting kids to realize that reading and writing isn't just school stuff, it's life stuff. This is what we do day in and day out, regardless of what you end up doing with your life. 
et cetera, et cetera. Literacy is what increases your ability to interact with the world and to get what you want out of the world. So the more we can remove that barrier for students, especially our struggling students, especially the kids that might not have access um, to a lot of quality literature um, or time to read and write uh, because they're not in a class like Ochoa's where someone is standing their ground and making sure they get the time to do what they need to do. Um, when you do this, you start bridging the gap between the work that they do is real writing. It is worthy of study. It is something that can be powerful. It empowers and encourages young writing. Um, I've talked about my writing walls that students would, once they go through that first round and they see all of the, the writing on the walls, they start going, how do I make the wall chastain? I'm like, well, you, we got to write. And you know, if you get a piece that really is something that we feel like should be on the wall, then it'll get there. And then that encourages kids. And then once you start using student writing in many lessons, it does the same thing. Kids will be like, Oh, I want to write something that I feel like uh, my, my fellow classmates could learn from, or I want to write this and see what people think. It really does just heighten the engagement factor of why they're working on stuff at all. And then also support their writing identities. I mean, just the, the, we, we praise kids as often as possible, but sometimes I think we forget that the structure of the classroom itself, the, the classroom as an entity is, really something that can be used to elevate students in terms of we all I, I feel like a lot of classrooms um just the traditional way of thinking about it is you know kids show up they learn they turn in and wait for the divine judgment of the teacher um and that really doesn't create an identity it creates an identity of I read and write for someone else but the more that we can shift that identity to I read and write for myself, for my interest, for what I want to look at. What you're going to do is you're going to capture that engagement more, which makes our job easier when we do have to really grow them in specific standards, when we have to start hitting certain percentages because principals are looking for it, districts looking for it, your team's looking for it. Um, that piece becomes easier because of the volume of reading and writing is going up because kids are engaged because it's so personal to them. Uh, the, the whole idea that Ochoa was kind of pointing at, and I'm sure it's going to be a theme throughout 2023 on the podcast <laughs> is, is just the fact that when, when we have people that walk into our spaces and into our schools and, um, and, and control curriculum to a certain degree that don't believe that time is essential and time for kids to read and write on their time on, on their, with their choice. We, we have to really show why that identity piece is so good. If kids only see themselves as readers and writers for other people, they're not going to be engaged enough to get that practice in. But I wanted to give you guys a few steps to make this work. Now, I think you could pull this off in as many ways as there are to pull it off. So I want you to take these steps, not as dogma, but as just, this is kind of what I did uh, in order to get this to work. And I saw massive, massive, massive success. Um, the first one is when you find a student working on a piece that has potential, okay? Something that is, maybe it has a, a spark of something that's interesting. Maybe they're working on, they're really honing in on what you're talking about. So if you're doing a lot of figurative language work and you have a kid putting a piece out there or writing something that has a really strong figurative language foundation, 
This is what I'm talking about. Uh, Mention that it would be a great model for the class and encourage deeper work to get there. So what I did, I started this um, with the original Rightfully Empowered Kids back in sixth grade uh, when I first had them. I remember it was my first student. Her name is Liliana Perrin. She's in the book. She, I think she's the final poem in Rightfully Empowered, actually. Um, incredible writer. Absolutely astounding. In sixth grade, that was budding, right? It took her a little bit to get there. But I saw that she had this, she just had this craft that was almost, I mean, it was just phenomenal, really, um, for her age and whatnot. But it was a little clunky. And so what I did is I would sit with her and I was like, you know what? I, I really love this. I was like, truthfully, I think this could be something that we can learn from because you're, you're doing this. Now, how do we think we could tweak this? And so we went through that conferencing process and over the course of, you know, I don't know, however long it took two, three weeks or so to really get this piece going. Um, I brought it into the mini lesson. That's kind of where these next steps come in. So I asked for permission, of course, uh, to do this. Um, this is something that, uh, I, Donald Graves also talks about, he talks about, the writing is theirs. So the moment that you take a kid's writing and you write on their writing, you're showing that it's yours still, right? Turning in a paper, waiting in for revisions from the the teacher is really us kind of robbing that from them. So every chance we can get allowing kids to really own their writing or own their reading responses, whatever that they're doing, own their work, but ask permission to see something rather than walking up and saying, show me your paper. It's like, Hey, can I read your, what you're working on today? Um, and so that permission is very important. Number three, analyze the piece as a class, as you would a normal sample teaching, just like you would any other passage. And this is where the magic comes in. So let's go to Liliana for a minute. I'm sitting there I get her piece three weeks later. I use it in a mini lesson. I asked her, which is step four, if she wanted to uh, have her name on it. She was like, oh, you can reveal my name after, but I don't want you to say it in the middle. I just want it to be like this. And that's what I said. I don't start off saying, hey, we're going to read student work. I say, let's read this. So we read the passage. We analyze it. I create a mini lesson the exact same way I would normally, which I've kind of outlined and previous trainings, um, but also on the podcast where, you know, the way I kind of map things out, I sit there, I read through something, I have my standards ready and I kind of jot down the key questions. I want three to four of where I want that mini lesson to go. And then as we have discussions, obviously some other questions pop up, but we analyze it as normal. The whole class is there. The kid that wrote it is sitting there, um, and hearing, all of these people analyze this, right? And having kids dive into analyzing word choice or plot or figurative language or structure, whatever it is that we're hitting on. And you're talking about this engagement level of this kid. I mean, they're just glued to where we are, right? And it's super cool and it's in it and it's energetic. And then this is where everyone else gets engaged is when we reveal Hey, this was written by our very own right here. Kids erupt. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe this. We just analyzed this. But it's this whole experience. And so what happens is now you've shown, hey, this is this is what we read in here, what we study 
There's no difference between what they're doing and what we're doing, except for the level of expertise that it's done at. But everything is worthy of study. Everything is really worthy of looking at. Now you have kids engaged. They, they start coming up to you and not just talking about writing walls and wanting to do that or talk about really publishing something good. They go, hey, can I, I feel like this would be really good for a mini lesson. Say, hey, do you think this would be good for a mini lesson? And it's just so cool to bring that in because... Um, to have like break it it's it's like you know, it's really removing that that teacher boundary right we walking into um a, a class and kids just sit there and wait for the assignment but what if they start thinking about what they're doing how could that be a part of an assignment and whatnot and it is i'm telling you it gets me excited to talk about it because it's so fun to go through that process and you can't do this all the time because you're gonna have to you know you got to show some other things and whatnot but i think it's a really powerful tool um and definitely a wonderful strategy to up that engagement piece you know if you're find out you know come you know mid-february uh kids are kind of floundering a little bit try this out and see where it goes um play with it see if you can get kids to uh, really jump to the next level. In